this morning, um, I'd like to begin the um, instructions for the immeasurable practices, and we'll begin with the metta. And before I go into that, just to say um, that at the end of the session, during the, the walking period that Paul is on from it, we'll stay here to give a little bit more guidance about posture. Um, for anyone who wishes to stay, about how to sit, um, which can be really, really helpful. It's a very important part of the practice. So if you're interested, we'll remind you of that again at the end, but just to, to uh, give a, a little promotion for that right at the beginning. So metta is, is the first of the four uh, Brahma Viharas, the divine abidings. And... Metta is a Pali word. I said this last night, but I'll repeat. The, the translation or the meaning, common translation is loving kindness. The meaning is goodwill, um, unconditional friendliness. Those are the two um, translations that I personally really resonate with and feel actually give us a, a sense of, of what this quality is, what this attitude is. And again, to emphasize that this is something that we already have. It's not necessarily something that we see ourselves as having, but it's something that exists in, in each of us that kind of very, very basic seed of intention towards goodwill, towards care, kindness, um, towards ourselves or others. Typically, it arises towards, um, in a limited way, towards people that we know, people that we love, people that we relate to, people or beings, actually. For many of us, it's, it arises much more naturally towards animals. So, uh, that's a real, um, something to really acknowledge and know and use in the practice. <coughs> and when we apply ourselves to the practice, that the aspiration is to cultivate that quality that is already within us um, so that it becomes less and less limited and more and more limitless. Yeah, so that we can actually bring it um, to meet all of our own experience, yeah, all of our own moods and mind states and traits and habits within ourselves and also those that we meet externally. So also with, with others that we don't necessarily know, don't necessarily feel a strong um, relation to. So that's the aspiration. It's very helpful to remember um, how this teaching or this practice, how it appeared in, in the Buddha's teachings. I find it really helpful because it really gives an indication. So it appeared, it was a teaching that the Buddha offered um, to the, the monks and the nuns that should have been there, even if they weren't. So to the monks and the nuns, as a way of working with fear, a way of working with fear and negativity and difficulty. 
And this is, for me, really, really important. So it really indicates to us that it's not um, just kind of a feel-good thing. You know, it's not just about feeling good, feeling loving, feeling caring, feeling kind. But it is a really powerful tool to work with, with fear and pain and difficulty in our lives. And it can be a real support for that. And it also really indicates that the things that we often don't want to have, yeah, the things that we feel perhaps shouldn't arise in a, in a meditation retreat setting where we should just be feeling peaceful and calm. So the actual difficulties, the actual shadow sides, um, or whatever arises in our experience is something we can work with, something we can attend to and kind of hone our skills, hone our practice through. And so two things with that. Um, one, and, and, and we'll keep coming back to this because this is a really important thread. If we think of that um, teaching, you know, this is a practice that supports us to work with fear and negativity and difficulty. And when we think about what happens to us when we experience fear, when we experience negativity, if you kind of feel into your experience, what happens to us is that we shrink. Yeah? We become small and contracted around that experience. We narrow down. And again, these practice, practices are called the immeasurables. Yeah, limitless, unconditional. So what do they do? They help us spread out, widen out. You know, sometimes only very, I'm doing this, it's not so fair. Sometimes it's just a very little bit that we expand, you know, that we widen. But that already, in our experience, is incredibly transformative. It's huge. Just that little bit more space. That little bit more space. So this is one thing that's really important. You know, we narrow down, we, we become small. And in that, that experience of me and not me, me and other, is heightened in that narrowing down. And then when there's some ease that comes in, some space, some widening, what also gets dissolved to some degree is that sense of separation. And we'll be talking a lot more about that through the days. I'm just throwing things at you at the moment and just kind of see if you can just let them kind of just receive them, just let them land where they land and, and see how it unfolds over time. So that's one really important emphasis with this practice. The other is, I've said it and I'm going to repeat it, is that the beauty of any practice, any meditation practice, and particularly this, is whatever is going on in our experience, whatever is happening in our experience, that's what we're interested in. So we're not trying to create something different. Sorry if this is bad news. <laughs> And you were hoping to kind of walk out of this retreat with the capacity to just generate um, peace and calmness and unconditional love. You will. But what we're interested in is to meet our experience and to use what arises in our experience in order 
to um, to grow. Yeah, in order to widen, in order to understand life more deeply. So we spoke yesterday about practices and act of kindness and about intention. And I'll put in the word aspiration, I've already used it this morning, along with intention. The aspiration which has brought to some degree all of us here, yeah, the aspiration to understand life more deeply and to respond to life with more kindness, that's the seed of the practice and it is in all of us to some degree. It is in all of us and, and a real invitation to, to feel both um, into where that is within you and if there's voices that are questioning that to, to also allow them, you know, don't just accept it because I'm saying here saying it and I'm sitting up here with the with the Buddha behind me. So really, you know, check for yourself. Where is that aspiration for kindness and for uh, the development of wisdom? So that um, aspiration is the seed, and like any seed, it has in it the potential to grow. Yeah, any seed carries the potential for growth in it, and, and this is very much what we're interested in here, is how to support that seed to sprout and grow and be nourished. So we're interested in that, and at the same time, we're also really appreciating and rejoicing in the fact that the seed is there. That's really, really important also, to just feel there is a seed, there is a potential. And then, what is the next step? What is the next step to nourish that seed, to nourish the right conditions so that it can keep growing? And accepting within that, that each of us will grow in our own way. Yeah. And at our own pace, in our own time. I'm sure some of you have had the beautiful experience of growing things from seed. And, you know, you can take two seeds of tomatoes, for example, and give them exactly the same conditions and they'll grow at their own speed and in their own way. They won't look identical, they won't be identical. So having that same attitude towards our own practice and development, own speed, our own way, one step at a time, holding the aspiration, holding the aspiration and honoring it. So saying all that, the practice of metta, you know, despite the, the words, you know, that we're using, loving kindness, goodwill, unconditional friendliness, the practice isn't about feeling one specific emotion and suppressing all the other ones. Yeah, so it's not about, and, and this, um, I'm saying this because this will come up and it's okay that it does, you know, there'll be a sense of, I'm not doing the practice because actually I'm getting more irritable <laughs> rather than more loving, so I'm doing something wrong, you know. Or, you know, the other alternative is these teachers have no clue what they're talking about, which may be true. Um, so
So these these voices will come up, and and let's you know let's also acknowledge that they will, and that's okay. But then can we just remember? Can we just remember? It's not about one set of emotions and then pushing away, suppressing, or ignoring others that don't seem to fit in with our idea. What it is about is an attitude, and so what we're interested in cultivating is can we meet our experience, whatever it is, with that attitude of kindness and of goodwill. So whatever the experience is, body pain, mental irritation, emotional difficulty, whatever is arising, it doesn't need to fit into any box. What we're interested in is can I meet it with a little bit more friendliness? Yeah, a little bit more kindness, a little bit more goodwill. Because each time we do that, we're strengthening that momentum of attitude each time we do that. And so it doesn't matter if that only happens once in the sitting. And the rest of the time I find myself irritated. <laughs> you know, it's that one time that is different. And that builds up. That builds up. And so the meeting with experience rather than trying to inhabit some state that we think we should be getting to. At the same time, if you do find yourself in a loving you know, space or an open space or a peaceful place, enjoy it. Yeah, that's not wrong either. So just really allow yourself to enjoy it. I have to remember to say this because one time I was giving these instructions and afterwards someone said to me, so if I feel really love, a lot of love and open-hearted, am I doing something wrong? No, <laughs> absolutely not. You know, and let yourself enjoy it if it arises. But equally, don't feel like you're not doing the practice right if, if other things are arising. Just keep coming back with that attitude and that intention. <coughs> so the more we meet our experience with open-heartedness, with friendliness, with kindness, the more we do that, the more we widen our capacity to actually hold experience, whatever it is. Yeah. So every time we do that, we're strengthening that momentum of holding experience, whatever experience is, difficult, pleasant, wanted, unwanted, to hold it in that space of not judging, of gentleness, of friendliness and goodwill. And as we do that, we deepen our capacity to see clearly and to understand. Yeah, because that capacity to hold experience without reactivity or with less reactivity, with less contraction, deepens our capacity to see and understand. Does that make sense to people? You can say no if it does. And this can be um, incredibly powerful and transformative for us. So I want to just read a little piece from this book that you'll be seeing a lot over this retreat. 
for me is a, a really powerful expression of it. So this is a um, part of a long section where he's talking about a young man called Miguel who was um, raised himself, uh, abandoned by his family and ended up in a gang and in prison and then um, somehow decided to step out of that and built a life for himself, um, which isn't easy, you know, living alone, small apartment, low income, very difficult conditions, but he really sticks with it and um, also does a lot for others. And so this is a conversation they have and, um, and this is Gregory Boyle, the, the man who wrote this book. This is him speaking. And he says, um, I had long been curious about Miguel's uncertain resilience. So I asked him, how do you do it? I mean, given all that you've been through, all the pain and stuff you've suffered, how are you like the way you are? I genuinely want to know, and Miguel has his answer at the ready. And this is what he says. He says, you know, I always suspected that there was something of goodness in me, but I just couldn't find it. Until one day, and he grows a little quiet, one day I discovered it here in my heart. I found it, goodness. And ever since that day, I've always known who I was. He pauses, caught short by his own truth, and turns and looks at me. And now, he says, nothing can touch me. And now nothing can touch me. So finding, in, in the language of, of Miguel, finding our own goodness. You know, something in us that knows that it's there. And this practice, part of what it does is it, it helps us find the way to that so that we know who we are. We know who we are and nothing can touch us. Which goes back to the Buddha teaching this as an antidote to fear. Yeah. And he never said to um, the practitioners, he didn't say there's nothing to fear. Yeah. He didn't try to make the fear disappear or to suppress it, but he said, here's a practice that can keep you grounded in your own goodness and can allow you to open, support you to open, even when there's fear, even when there's difficulty, even when there's irritability. So I'll just say um, a little bit about the practice and how we actually apply it and then we'll practice together. So the seed is that aspiration for kindness, for goodwill, for friendliness. And it comes together with that honoring um, of knowing that each of us wants to be happy. It's really simple. You know, we all want to be happy, we all want to be free of suffering. That's something we all have in common. And so honoring that 
is kind of the, the initial first step of the practice. Remembering that this is a cultivation. So we're cultivating intention, attitude, aspiration. And whether the emotion matches that or not is less of, of um, is less important. But rather that just that cultivating of the intention and the attitude. And so like all practices, we begin the practice in rooting, grounding the awareness in the body. So body awareness is really, really important. And sometimes we skip over this bit in the metta practice. So grounding in the body, if you have an existing practice of body awareness, of breath awareness, you can use that to really as much as possible be grounded in the body as you do the metta practice. (coughs) And then we use, as the object of our meditation, traditionally we use metta phrases. So they're phrases that we repeat. And I'll be guiding all of this so you don't need to remember, but I'm just kind of bringing this up here before. Traditionally we use metta phrases, so short sentences that um, embody or express our aspiration or our wish for happiness. For some people, the phrases work um, well, and for others, it might work better to use images or to use a felt sense of of this quality. Sometimes we can just feel these qualities of kindness, of goodwill, of friendliness. So part of the exploration today would be to find out a little bit for yourself what it is that works for you. If it's the phrases, if it's (coughs) um, an image. Someone told me, I was just teaching a retreat this weekend, and uh, someone told me that she uses the image of a bouquet of flowers (laughs) to do the practice. So she, you know, she, she uses the imagery in her mind of just handing a bouquet to herself or to another. And I just thought, yeah, just such a great example. Just use an image. Or some people use an image of, um, of someone else who represents, embodies kindness and compassion for them. You know, it can be Buddha, it can be Jesus, it can be Kuan Yin, um, you know, whatever, or someone you know in your life, whatever works for you. So we can use images and felt sense and phrases all rooted in body awareness and really exploring a little bit what works for you there. Whatever you use, remember that's your meditation object. So just like we use the breath in when we do mindfulness of breathing, we'll be using the phrases or the images or the felt sense as the object of our practice. And what does that mean? So at the beginning of a meditation period, we, our intention is to, to stay with the object of meditation. So for example, to stay with the phrases. I'll just use that as the, as the example here. So we repeat the phrases internally, and we're gathering our attention around the phrases as much as possible without becoming too tense and too narrow. And then as I said this morning, what will happen very naturally, this is what the mind does, is that the mind will move. 
and you'll find yourself daydreaming or um, focused on an uncomfortable sensation or something else, falling asleep. You know, the, the mind will move. And that is natural. So, you know, you're not doing anything wrong because it's happening, you're just being a human being. When we notice that that's happened, the mind has moved, that's a moment of, um, of mindfulness, of awareness, of waking up. So when we notice, we acknowledge, uh, you know, thinking, or falling asleep, or whatever it is. And then we come back to the intention. And we bring back the attention to the object of our meditation, in this case, we use the, the phrases as that. So remembering that all of this is the process of the practice. So it's not that when you're distracted and you notice that you're distracted, that you've failed in some way. But actually that noticing is the moment of waking up and reconnecting. It's part of the practice. And we come back. And a lot of the time, especially in the beginning, most of what we're doing is we're noticing we're distracted and we're coming back. You know, that's, that's fine. You just keep doing it, you know, just like a child who is learning to walk or speak, and most of what they do is fall. Yeah? But they just keep getting up again and, and trying to take a step. So we just keep doing that, and we're gathering the momentum, we're strengthening the momentum. So, just one more word about, well, a few more words about the practice. Um, with the meta practice and all the practices we'll be doing over the days, we're starting where it's easy and we're building up. Yeah, so I said at the beginning, our aspiration is to really dissolve that separation of self and other and to have that unconditional sense of friendliness towards everything and everyone. But for most of us, that's not a very useful place to start. So we start with the easy. And there's an image that's sometimes used of just, you know, when we try and build a fire, we're not going to take the big, um, heavy logs and try and start the fire with that, right? We start with kindling and dry leaves. So we start with the easy, and as the blaze catches, we slowly put bigger and bigger pieces on it. So we slowly expand. But that movement is the same movement. You know, if we're practicing towards ourselves or towards someone that's easy, it's the same movement as having that sense of unconditional friendliness towards somebody that we find difficult. It's the same movement. We're building up the fire. And so in the practice, we use, the categor- we use categories. We start with the easy person or with ourselves, which isn't always the easy And then we expand to people that are further away or beings that are further away. And we'll be speaking about that more in the days, but I just wanted to to introduce that now Um, and to really remember it's like building a fire. And that's, that's the important thing. And so when, when, this, um, when the Buddha offered this practice, he um, encouraged, encouraged us to start it with ourselves. And um, like I 
said, for some of us that may be easy, and for some of us, many of us, that will be difficult to do. So we'll play a little bit with that today. Um, if it feels too difficult, if there's too much contraction and too much um, sense of inner critic or uh, unworthiness, um, then you can just swap that and instead of um, yourself, just practice towards someone that you feel it's very easy and natural to feel the sense of care and friendliness towards. Like I said, sometimes the easiest is a pet or an animal. Um, but it can be anyone. So feel free with um, the practice that I'll be offering and guiding to again to play with that. And I just end with um, one quote from the Buddha about this. When he was teaching this practice, he would say that you can look, in the, you can search the whole world for someone more worthy of receiving metta than yourself. And uh, you won't find anyone more worthy than yourself to receive this. And he said this to all of us. Yeah. So it's a deep message to take internally and also to take about each other. Uh, we're all worthy of receiving this, this attitude of friendliness and kindness. So let's practice. If you need to, um, we'll have about 20 minutes to practice together. So if you need to stretch any part of the body or change your sitting posture to a different posture, then take a few moments to do that. And then when you're ready, settle back. into your posture. And as you do that, just taking a few moments to notice the balance between the uprightness of the posture and a sense of relaxation and ease. Sometimes it can be helpful to exaggerate the uprightness a little bit and then to consciously relax the muscles until you find that place of balance. And feel what happens in the body as we do this, how the body opens, widens, Knowing also that this is something that we might um, come back to through the meditation, just checking in with the posture. 
and reestablishing that balance. beginning the practice with inviting and settling the awareness, the attention in the body. You can do this through paying attention to the contact areas of body with seat and body with ground. You can do this with the breathing. much as possible, the awareness in the body can be wide and open. So, for example, your, your mindfulness of breathing practice is, is quite narrow, it's quite one-pointed, seeing if you can just feel the presence of the breath flowing through the whole body or radiating through the whole body. Sometimes we can connect to the sense of the vulnerability, the fragility of the human body, particularly. Sometimes we can feel it in the front of the body, the chest, the belly. Seeing if we can stay present with that. possible for us to feel just that very simple wish that we have as living beings. 
wish to be happy and safe and be free of suffering. If we can just acknowledge that and make space. Staying as much as possible connected, rooted to the body experience, to that simple wish to be happy and well, to be free of suffering. I'll be offering some phrases and feel free to use these phrases or if you wish you can change them, change it to a language that's more immediate for you or use different words that resonate with you more deeply. Or as I said before, you can also use an image or a felt sense. Whatever you're using, that's the object of the meditation and we're using it to kind of direct this flow of goodwill towards ourself. Finding your own pace and rhythm with the flow of the meta, with the phrases or whatever it is that you're using. Just gently coming back, directing this flow of intention towards yourself.
May I be happy. noticing what's happening in the body seeing if it's possible to relax and open with our experience whatever it is keep coming back to that flow of intentionality and aspiration your awareness and inviting in a person or being for whom there's a natural and easeful 
flow of goodwill, of friendliness, of care. So not looking too hard, just opening the awareness, letting someone arise. It can be a friend, family member, an animal. to that more natural flow of goodwill and directing the flow of metta towards this other being. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be healthy and safe. May you live with ease. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. just for the last few moments of this sitting seeing if we can expand the flow of metta just acknowledging that all beings everywhere share that wish for happiness share that wish to be free of suffering and its causes possible just 
honoring that wish in others. May all beings be happy. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be healthy. Mm -hmm.